Welcome to the Detox Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gwena, certified holistic health coach and detox enthusiast, and I'm here to talk all things detox. Toxins exist in our lives in many forms, from the foods we eat, products we use, people we spend time with, and even the thoughts in our heads. Here we discuss how various toxins may be sapping our energy and vitality, and how we can detox to create a life we love. Each week, we'll discuss everything from nutrition, clean beauty, body image, stress management techniques, career and business, relationships, you name it. Whether it's with a guest or just yours truly, we'll get real, raw, and honest and provide tangible tips to detox all areas of our lives. If you're ready to step into the most vibrant version of you, let's get started. Yeah, because you can go on, you know, Cafe Astrology and like read this like sort of computer generated version of your chart. And I remember when I was first like getting into astrology and reading that and being like, these are all contradictive. How do I put this all together? And then when I really learned how to read natal astrology, I was like, they go together like a beautiful puzzle piece, you know, but I would have never known that. Hello, and welcome back to the Detox Diaries podcast. Today's episode is a fun one. I'm chatting with Emily Carson of Twin Torches Astrology and Tarot. And if you're anything like me, like I kind of checked out of the whole astrology thing because I just never really felt that connected to my quote unquote sign, which is our sun sign, what we are familiar with in terms of your, you know, horoscope that you'll read in Cosmo or wherever you're looking at it. And I just, I'm a Pisces and I, I just never felt connected to that sign. And I kind of just was not into astrology based on that. And as I've gotten more and more involved in the health and wellness and spirituality space, I've learned that there's really so much more to astrology. And I decided to get a reading with Emily. And I was so floored, honestly, by how spot on the reading was and just how intricate it all is. It's so much more than what we think of as just our sun sign. And it makes total sense that maybe we don't feel that connected to it with a limited understanding of really what astrology is all about. So we get into it in this episode. Emily is so knowledgeable as a practitioner of astrology and tarot. And this conversation is so much fun. We have lots of laughs and tons of tips when it comes to interpreting your chart and even some generalized predictions for what's kind of shifting and happening in the world. So we chat about what our sun, moon, and rising signs represent and why understanding all three is important, how planet placements can impact our energy, what Mercury in retrograde really means, because we've all heard this, I'm sure, many times, and how exactly to navigate that time, what our Saturn return is and why that time can be so challenging, how tarot can be used as a decision-making tool, and embracing your true self and following your own path. So this episode is so, so interesting. In the show notes, we have all the information in terms of figuring out your natal chart so that you can kind of follow along and see if there's any things that you can incorporate based on our conversation. But I also really, really recommend booking an appointment with Emily for sure. I thought she was so knowledgeable and just so insightful and the reading that I had with her was amazing but I have to say that I think when you and we talk about it a little bit on this episode like when you just get like a printed out chart from wherever and it kind of tries to explain the individual pieces of your chart it's just not the same as someone who really is 
a knowledgeable practitioner and knows how to read all of those intricacies. But you'll definitely still get some great tidbits that you can take away from this conversation. But if you are interested in going deeper, I definitely recommend looking at the information in the show notes and getting in touch with Emily. But I'm going to stop blabbing on and on right now and let's get into the episode. Hi, Emily. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. And I'm so excited to be talking about a topic that we have not really touched on on the show, which is astrology. So I would love for you to just kind of give us the basics on you and kind of how you got to doing what you do now. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here and explain astrology a little bit in my journey. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So I've been practicing astrology um, for about like three years, like, and about two professionally. Um, But beforehand, I was mostly a tarot card reader. And um, that sort of came from a college experience that I just didn't feel like attuned to. So initially I went to um, college for psychology and um, my first time around, so I was, you know, like 18, I, I loved the philosophy. I was like a philosophy undergrad. And so I was just taking in all of these different like spiritual ideas and, you know, really vibrating well with the like existentialist you know just like what is this life and (laughs) but um I really felt that there was a constriction when it came to academia um where it was just like really focused on logic and there was this body piece missing right like I felt attuned to my body and spirit and so I wanted to investigate that And so I left school together and um, moved back in with my parents and just started to explore um, some of the spiritual like places that existed in New York. So I went to the open center and took like a Reiki healing class, which actually terrified me. It was, it was really intense. And um, the practitioner was like real deal and it I remember like um, I was standing near this woman who was like a school bus driver and she was like Reiki attuned. And I was like imagining her like Reiki attuning like the whole bus of children, like as she like went to school and she was just so like secure in herself. And I went up to her and I was like, how are you doing this? Like, how are you tapping into your like inner self? I feel so guarded around myself. And she was just like, oh, it takes like so much vulnerability. And um, I just had never even thought about that, about vulnerability. And so I think after that point, even though I was learning like, you know, the tarot and I was learning about energy healing, I was mostly, you know, getting to that vulnerable place in myself in order to be a healer because I knew that's what I wanted in some capacity. And so that's sort of how it all began um, and developed from there. I kind of flip-flopped. I went back to psychology a little bit. I did finish my undergrad, um, but with that element, right? Because I just like, I couldn't have a non-spiritual practice. It's just not 
possible for me. You know, my whole life is like definitely like woo woo. And (laughs) I need that. It keeps me, it keeps me grounded, which is, you know, the opposite of a lot of other people. But um, yeah, astrology came about in Portland. I moved to Portland, Oregon. And um, again, like a really sort of like amazing tangent happened for me. I, um, I was really drawn to Portland, Oregon, and I had visited, I was couch surfing. Um, so I stayed with a bunch of interesting people (laughs) and, um, I was at an herb shop and there was this man there who had this like incredible tattoo. So it was like this tattoo up his forearm, I think it was, and it was all of the, the moon, like the different moon phases. And he was just this magical person, like going about, like doing his like little herbal, like tinctures and remedies. And um, I was just blown away that that was a possibility. I was like, oh, this could be a career. And um, so I was drawn to here. And when I came here, I didn't really know I was gonna do astrology, but there was this ad for an astrology school. So like the Portland School of Astrology. And so I went to like the informational night and there's this, this like great man, like giving this talk about astrology, like, and what the school could offer. And then he pushes up his sleeve and granted, this is like 10 years later, pushes up his sleeve and it's the herbalist guy. He's got the same (laughs) tattoo. And I, I signed up, I signed up. I was like, this is, this is it. You know, this is a sign. And sure enough, it's, it was, and here I am. Wow. (laughs) I love that story. That is such an amazing story. I would love to kind of go back just a little bit to when you were mentioning um, with the Reiki stuff, because I think it's really interesting. You mentioned that the, you needed to kind of have that vulnerability with yourself. And even like the phrase that you used, like being guarded with yourself. It sounds, I feel like most people probably don't, aren't even onto themselves that they are that way. Cause it sounds counterintuitive. Like you are yourself, <laughs> like, how can you be guarded? But can you kind of elaborate on like what you really mean by that phrase? Sure. Pro- probably a lot of people are experiencing that, but maybe not really understanding that that's what it is. Absolutely. So I think it, like, um, I mean, it comes up in so many different ways, but I think one of the best ways to see it in oneself is in relationship. If, if, and when like you are in relationship and that's friendship, that's, you know, parental, familial, whatever it is, if there is a part of yourself that you sort of like hold back with or like, don't let fully forth because of, you know, wanting to keep that a secret or feeling like you won't be fully accepted or whatever that is. That's, that's sort of a version of what I'm talking about where in a spiritual sense, like vulnerability and getting to that point inside of yourself and that separation, it's almost like an energetic resonance. And so something that I have clients do actually is do, um, breathing body checks. And that is a really good way of finding out if you are like emotionally blocked from yourself 
um, is to breathe into body parts and find like if your breath gets stuck because there's something sort of blocking that flow. And so anything can sort of block your flow with yourself. Um, and usually I find that there's like some words attached or there's some sort of like moment in time that blocks up your energy. Um, but yeah, that's sort of how I, I see it is like an energetic block um, with oneself. Or um, you could think about it psychologically as the unconscious. Um, it's like a pretty popular like term in the zeitgeist, but it's like you are your, you know, shining self at work, at home, you know, like you are this person that you present to the world. And then there is this like inner self. And oftentimes like that is just like the major separation that people talk about is like the person I present and the person that I am alone with myself. And so sometimes those are like very like separate, you know? And so that like very separation is sort of what I was like referring to. Got it. So basically like accepting and letting that inner real you be more apparent to the outside world, essentially. Absolutely. And sort of letting that interact with your, like the person you present. So just sort of letting those flow naturally and not being scared of what might come up. Like I find that people are like, they want to say things and then they're like, mm, tamping it down. No. Yeah, totally. And probably a big part of that was kind of like really stepping into the spirituality piece of things. Like even when you made that comment, like this is a job, like I feel like so many of us like don't even let ourselves understand how much potential we have to actually do the things that we really want to do because we're thinking about what everyone says we should be doing. Absolutely. Which can be like a block in itself, you know, it's like to feel that you can't explore because of something that was like said to you or hammered into you is like, you know, about stability or about like realism, you know, it's like, you can make whatever you want. Absolutely. I love Gen Z for that. I feel like they just do whatever <laughs> they want. They're like, what is a job? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and I love too, that it's like, when you started leaning into that is when things just started like appearing naturally. Like, so was the guy literally the same guy or just the guy? He was literally the same guy. guy. That is insane. <laughs> wow. I mean, if that's not like serendipitous, I don't know what is. <laughs> no, I I was floored. I it's weird. I didn't tell anyone about it for like the whole time I was in astrology school. I like graduated and told him, and he's like, "Why didn't you tell me?" And I was like, "I was nervous. I felt like it was like, you know, couldn't be real or something." Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So basically, once you went the astrology path and all of that, I would love to kind of get a little bit into astrology. I feel like probably a lot of what most people think of is like your sun sign and you read, you know, your forecast in Cosmo every month, like people sure. don't really understand the depth that there is to it. So just kind of giving us like a basic understanding of what astrology really is. Sure. Um, so astrology can be like a tool for like getting to know who you are. 
Um, it can be used in so many different ways, like for forecasting, like the future, if the person is into that or looking at like political movements. But the way that I practice it is about like the self, right? So exploring like the, the whole like character of like a client and um, finding out like all of these different parts of them and how they work together. So it's like a moving like organism. And so when I'm talking about a chart, um, right? I'm talking about like maybe people have seen this on CoStar or on like a popular astrology app where there's like the, the bar chart. So what I'm sort of talking about is the circular chart. So um, something that people can do to sort of see what I'm talking about is go on um, astro.com and just look up their natal chart. And so then that'll be a visual for them to sort of see. And so for that, you just need your, um, your full birth time. And if you don't have the birth time exactly, you can do 12 p.m. as a starter. Um, so yeah, so in that chart, um, it's broken up into 12 spaces, almost like pie pieces. And each space um, has a sign attached to it. So, you know, that, that first little piece of the pie is your rising sign. And so everyone's chart will look different based on that first sign, the rising sign. So there's no default. And so um, like for instance, you're a Taurus rising. So your first house is Taurus. I'm a Libra rising. So my first house is Libra. And then it goes from there in the same order. And so um, some things you can see on your chart. Um, so a good place to start is the big three. And so that's sun, moon, rising. And so a good way to think about sun, moon, rising is um, the rising sign is the captain of the ship. So that's who you see like sort of like in command, like it's that, that person you show to the world, sort of like what we were talking about with the conscious unconscious thing. And then um, the moon represents that unconscious. So many people will say that the moon is what we came into this world with, right? It's like this fully formed need. Like it, it's a good map for how we can nourish ourselves and how our like life's necessities sort of map out. And then um, when it comes to the sun, that's like our ego identity. And I don't mean that in a negative sense. I mean that in the way that like, what we are determined to do in this life can often be shown by the sun and who we want to be. So it's like, we're almost like moving towards the sun in a lot of ways. It's sort of how we light up. It's how we, we give energy to our lives in a lot of ways. It's like the nourishment of that sun energy. Interesting. It's interesting to me that the sun is the one that like we most are aware of. And that's usually what you like refer to as your sign. Cause it, it almost kind of seems like the other two are more important in some sense, which is kind yeah. of, yeah, it's interesting because it's like, I almost feel like it's just, you know, missing parts. Mm. Like you, you can't work without all three, right. You know, the sun sign, I think became like the premier focus to like sell magazines, like back in like the seventies. 
And for the longest time before that, horoscopes were actually written for the rising sign. Mm -hmm. So it's like a relatively new invention, the focus on the sun sign. And many people will point to the Western, like focus on the ego as the reason that we do that, you know? That makes total sense. (laughs) (laughs) And I think it was interesting, like when you did the reading for me, because I'm a, a Pisces sun And I have never really related to like the generic Pisces kind of stuff. And then going through, I felt much more connected with the Taurus and then mostly with the Sagittarius, which is my moon. And you also mentioned that that could be because I think it was that a lot of my like planets were in Sagittarius. So I was just kind of curious because obviously for people who like pull up their natal chart and they're just trying to get like a basic understanding, I mean- for everybody listening, like the in-depth analysis that Emily can do is like next level. I mean, so detailed, so interesting. I just re-listened to the replay and like took so many notes and got so much out of it. So definitely still book an appointment with like Emily or somebody else in terms of like getting a reading, but I recommend Emily, but you just in general, I think it's just so interesting, like how deep you can go. But I feel like if people wanted like one step past like sun, moon rising, is it kind of like finding where most of your planets are? That can be a really good way to do it. Um, I think like for you, like you have what's called a stellium, which is like that concentration of planets in one space. So um, yeah, I think that you have like, something like four, maybe more like in Sagittarius. So when you have so many planets in one space, that's just like a lot of Sagittarius, you know? So it's like that Sagittarian energy is going to really take over in a lot of ways and is going to function in the way of your like morals or in the way of your, like, you know, your energy and how you move through the world, if it's Mars. So it's like, it depends on what planets are there as to what like part of it is being accentuated. Um, but yeah, like a really good way to look past on moon rising is like, if there's a concentration of planets in one space, you can sort of look to that as like a big part of your life. Um, especially because if we think about those pie pieces that I was talking about before, each one of those spaces is a different part of your life. So for you, you know, having that huge amount of planets in one space in Sagittarius, that's one part of your life, you know, and that's very accentuated. So it's a good place to look for, you know, what you might want to do with your life or what is coming up a lot for you. So interesting, like how in depth it really goes, which I just loved that reading so, so much. And so I'm curious because some of the things that we talked about were like, kind of like static things, like based on like who I am as a person, my chart at that time, I guess I'm kind of like curious, like, because astrology, like you mentioned, could sometimes be like sort of forecasting. So like, what is like the difference between those two ways of interpreting a chart? Yeah. So when, when people um, pull up their natal charts, so that, that circle is like a snapshot of the exact moment of your birth or if you don't have your birth time, like around that time of your birth. And so that is like a static identity. So you can sort of see the characteristics that you brought into with you, 
you know, um, that energy that came down, like that is your like roadmap to your identity. And then um, there's these things called transits. And so if you think about the chart as this like static circular place and your planets being in like the same spot, like personally, so like, that's just to give an example for your moon, right? Your moon is in Sagittarius. So when other planets, which, you know, the planets keep moving after you're born, like they keep moving all around. And so when a planet touches your natal planet, so it goes to the same place that it was at the time of your birth, that causes a reaction. And so that, that relationship is what people read for prediction. And so that is called a transit. Does that make sense? Yes. It's kind of hard to describe transits. I mean, I feel like it's also hard, like just listening because <laughs> there's, I know how it like a chart is so intricate. So having that visual piece probably makes it a little bit clearer, but I remember looking Definitely. at it. It's also very confusing. <laughs> I also so, just want to name, like it took me like personally a full year to just learn natal astrology without transits. And then transits was a whole nother year. So it's like, just to put that out there, like how long it takes to really understand how much is going on at once. And like, you know, if you're out there stressed out about all the components, just realize like that's a year, like two years of like understanding for me. And like, for like, I think about the questions I used to ask in school now, and I'm just like, oh yeah, I didn't understand transits for a year. Good yeah. to know. So everyone be, be gentle with yourselves. <laughs> that's why working with a professional is always yeah. the best way to go. And this just popped into my head because I feel like it's such a like thing that people say, but what does Mercury being in retrograde really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, so Mercury in retrograde is, um, and all retrograde planets is that two, two hour, like naked eye on earth Mercury appears to be moving backwards. And so that's just like, because like the earth is spinning. And so like, it's just moving and it's, it's like an illusion, right. For our eyes, but astrologically it has this like, you know, meaning built into it. And so it happens four times a year. And so in those times we are experiencing a review And so it's a great time, especially depending on where it ends up in your chart. It's a great time to review that area. Like Mercury retrograde fell into my first house, like sort of in like September, I think. And that was like such a profound, like Mercury retrograde for me. Like I had to pretty much stop everything I was doing, like reevaluate completely And I mean, I often won't like put out new information at that time. Like it's all about like reviewing what I've already done, you know, and making sure that things work. So Mercury is the mind in astrology. And so it's about communication and it's about your thought processes. So at that time, you know, the review of thought processes in that area of your chart is the most important thing. Interesting. Cause I feel like what they kind of like say about it is that you're not supposed to like make any big decisions at that time. So is it kind of like, because you're supposed to be kind of reflecting, but not really 
changing anything until you like move out of that? Is that kind of, or is that whole don't make a decision thing just like made up? <laughs> no, that's real. Um, <laughs> the, re- the reason it's real. Okay. Is because like, um, wow. Yeah. Things happen during those times too. It's almost like if you don't listen to the advice or the medicine of the stars, they start to mess with you, you know, and Mercury is a trickster God. So it's like, if, if you don't appeal to Mercury, like things happen in that time. And I hate to be too woo woo, but it really does happen. Like, you know, the decision thing, like my, my brother was like trying to buy a house during the Mercury retrograde. And during that time, like their negotiations fell through and, um, he had like, I think three minutes to close the deal. And the guy was like out in the middle of like backwoods, Oregon, like out of service. And he was like waiting on the three minutes. And like, we all like, it was, it was really cute. Actually. We all like did this like prayer to Mercury. And then like the guy came through. But that's, that's sort of like, you know, there's a fun tale for Mercury retrograde. It's just like, it, things do go haywire, you know, like you, your technology breaks down, um, things often break, you know, especially if it's in an air sign, which like Mercury really like vibes with air signs. And like, that's like the internet too. It's like Aquarius. So it's like, it gets all up in your wires. <laughs> Interesting. It's so funny too, that it's only four times a year. I feel like some years it's like, it's always Mercury. <laughs> retrograde it feels like it's constant but good to know it only happens four times and does it always last for like roughly the same amount of time or yeah Yeah. got it it's like a month ask interesting and then I feel like the other thing that's talked about a lot is like Saturn returns Mm -hmm. so if you could kind of chat chat about that a little bit absolutely so Saturn returns so you have in your natal chart a um, a Saturn placement, right? And so depending on your generation is where your Saturn will be because it's a pretty slow moving planet. So people around your age will be going through the Saturn return around the same time. And so the rough age is like 27 to 31. Um, yeah, usually more towards like, you know, like 28, 30 is like when it happens. Um, Saturn will hit three times in the exact spot of your Saturn. Um, so it's really in that exact, like those times that it's really happening. Um, but astrologers say that as soon as Saturn goes into the sign of your natal Saturn is when it really begins. And so that whole thing is about like a two and a half year process. And what it is about, because Saturn is the planet of structure and it's about how we structure our lives. It's also like the planet of like responsibility. (laughs) And so it's like around, you know, the age of like 27 to 30, like that sort of brings up like an existential crisis um, brought on by Saturn, like sort of judging us a little bit about like what we've done with our life. And so that's part of the reason it's so like, oh no, your Saturn return is because you're about to have like a mental battle with yourself about your, you know, accomplishments. 
and you know, it's two and a half years. So you see people do really um, drastic things during their Saturn return, you know, like I moved across the country. You see a lot of people moving and um, yeah. And especially with, cause now Saturn is in Aquarius. I see um, folks with Saturn in Aquarius, um, Saturn returns being really transient. Like they are going, they are getting bands. They are going on trips. They are like going away from society because Saturn also represents isolation. And so you'll find in Saturn returns that, that people are often alone, you know, or need a lot of alone time to do that, like review that reflection, um, the decisions, like making big choices, you know, Saturn is profound. It's one of these like slow moving, big energy planets. So when it hits, it's really intense. And that's another reason why people fear it, you know, it's like, what in my life is going to change? Like, you know, and because it's the planet of stability, usually it's like your stability is going to be altered, you know, maybe to make yourself more stable in the future, but that like initial like destabilization is really uncomfortable for some people. For sure. Oh, that's so interesting. Cause I'd always heard, you know, it's kind of like the coming of age, like, so yeah. it's interesting to kind of get like the real background and color on that. Yeah. So another thing that back to kind of like the transits is mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that when we were kind of like finding a time that we wanted to talk, you were going to check out your chart mm-hmm. to kind of determine the time, which hopefully that didn't get messed up now with the time difference. Did, <laughs> but that's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm going to look at the chart after this. Um, <laughs> So what that is, is a whole nother field of astrology. It's called electional astrology. And so that is finding a very um, special or like good or auspicious date to do something. And so it's a whole field of astrology. So it's kind of like in depth, but you basically want the moon to be in a good position and, you know, good is relative, but you want it to be in a happy place in the Zodiac Um, And you want the rising sign to sort of be in a good relationship with the moon. And when that happens, you have like a pretty good situation, you know, and then you want to go even further to find out whatever you're doing. So for instance, we're having a conversation. So you want Mercury in our situation to be in a good place too, or at least in not a bad place. (laughs) You know, it's it's sort of just about like, it's pretty good. But you don't want it to be like real bad. Fair enough. Like in retrograde. (laughs) Yeah. Like in retrograde, which I definitely like had to shy away from because we have one coming up. Yeah. When is the next one? You know, I'd have to look at the exact date. Yeah. I'm like, the wedding is soon. (laughs) Don't let me. Well, I guess the decision's made, so it's fine. Yeah. Um, the The 11th? Yeah. June 11th. June 11th. I think you're, you're set by then. I think it's in May or late April. I'm betraying myself. I'm one of, (laughs) I'm one of those people who like, I can only handle so much information at once. And therefore, like, I only look at the month ahead, you know, because I'm more of a personal astrologer where I really look at people's like direct moments. It's not 
super deal breaker for me to not look at the whole year. I also have anxiety. So if I look really far ahead, I start to think like terrible things are going to happen, which is just not good for me, you know, and some people can totally handle that and I leave it to them and I'm glad they exist. And for me, it's just about like finding like the, the exalting things in people's charts to talk about and looking at the hard stuff and figuring out how to deal with those too. Totally. And I guess just to kind of elaborate on that, like, obviously, like we kind of talked about kind of looking at my chart in terms of like business things. So like, Emily might be able to tell me, like, I don't know you might not remember, but like that the podcast would be better for me than like Instagram, mm-hmm. for example, like different things in my chart, you were able to be really helpful in terms of ways that I can maximize my business. So I guess kind of like just talking about some of the various ways that you help your clients, depending on like what's going on in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. I love how many different kinds of like questions I get. Um, And so I'm able to like really go into these different areas of the chart for people. Often, often people will come in um, asking about like the transits that are actually happening without knowing they're asking about it. So it's, it's always like really exciting when someone's like, yeah, like I'm just like at a really hard time in my life and like, you know, really questioning my identity. And then they have this like massive transit, like squaring their son, which is like a difficult tension filled, you know, to their identity. Right. So I think like for depending on the like issue or the question or wanting to know more about like themselves, like it really depends, but like, you know, let's use you as an example. So when you're looking at somebody's like work life or what would be good for them as like a daily, you know, practice when it comes to work, like what would benefit them? You're looking at the second house, the mid heaven, which is the highest point, um, and the sixth house. So the midheaven can be in either the ninth, the 10th or the 11th house. And so yours is in the ninth. And what that has to do with in your chart is ideas. So it's very important for you to, you know, talk about like thought to talk about how people are lifing, right? And that will be how you live out your career. Also, your second house is Gemini, right? And that is, again, a communication sign ruled by Mercury. Not only that, but you have Chiron there, which means, which just to, you know, give a rundown on Chiron real quick, um, Chiron is the wounded healer. So it's a place in our charts where we have previously like had you know, trouble or wounding. And then from there have figured out a way to heal that wound and then use it, use it to help others, you know, use it to do something in this life. And so for you having Chiron in um, Gemini, like a Mercury world sign, it's really important for you to heal others through the knowledge that you've received that helped you heal yourself. And so that is sort of like a little rundown of how that works, you know? Um, 
just for that area. If somebody, for instance, wants to know more about how to like heal themselves on the daily, you know, we would sort of look towards like transits, but we would look towards the moon as like a roadmap to healing. Interesting. Yeah. Yes. You told me so many things that excited me. That's <laughs> everything that I wanted to hear was, was being told to me, which was awesome. Um, and in terms of, I know you mentioned that you don't look too far ahead, but I was wondering if there's any, even if it's just for next month, like anything kind of as a collective that you're seeing in terms of the transits or where things are moving for the next few months that would be like interesting to share. Absolutely. I mean, for... For the past like year or so, like Jupiter has been in Pisces, which is a great place for Jupiter, right? Um, Jupiter is going to move into Aries. And so that's really going to change the energy. I think we're going to see like more movement going on. I think we're going to see like busyness, um, intensity. I think that ideology is really up. I think we have the shot to really figure out what we want to do with our society and what we want to do with this world. Like we have a lot of thinking to do. And so I think that that's going to happen in a big way. Um, something to really look forward to, at least in the short term, um, Venus has been in this like very uncomfortable position for a very long time. I would not be surprised if everyone had to go through a lot this past winter when it came to relationships and friendships and, you know, just any kind of relationship situation and like value systems, like whole value system makeovers make sense for people, you know, pivots, life pivots, that kind of thing. Um, Venus has been stuck in between Mars and Saturn. Those are the two like very difficult planets in the Zodiac. So Venus, which is this planet of like joy and love and sex and all of these like amazing things, you know, it has been in between like a rock and a hard place, right? It's just like been stuck. And when that happens, it's like you find disagreements, you know, you can see that on the world stage, you know, we're in like a horrible situation right now, like globally. And so partially like, you know, Mars being in contact with Venus makes it really difficult for like justice to prevail. And so as Venus moves past Saturn, which just happened the other day, like happy birthday, um, <laughs> we're going to see like a lot of things return to us. I mean, hopefully some sense of justice, um, but also on a personal level, you know, we're going to see our relationships get a little bit closer to back on track. Or, you know, if things really did not work out through the whole thing, you know, some relationships may end. Um, yeah. And at this point, you probably know which one is going to happen. So it's not like there's some scary thing coming down in the future. Like we already had the direct contact between Venus and Saturn, which is really the moment, you know, if there was anything coming to a head, it probably already happened. So now we're moving into the clear you know, and Venus is going to move into exaltation or like a happy place in the Zodiac in Pisces, which is lovely. And for Piscean people, you, um, it's a really nice time. You know, you, you will see yourself like in a better light, you know, having Venus in a good place can be great for our self-esteem. 
great. I could use that, especially with the (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know, and you have, you have two really good points for Venus, right? So it's like, you know, eventually like Venus will go into Taurus too, which is a great place for it. I mean, in between you have Aries, but I'm a Venus and Aries. So I'm like all about it. Amazing. And then I would love to hear, cause I know you said you actually kind of started with tarot. Yeah. And ended up moving into astrology. Are you still working with tarot? Oh Do you yeah. Use them kind of together. Like how does that work? And just kind of like a brief rundown on tarot. Sure. Absolutely. Um, I, I sometimes use them together if people want that, but I often just do like an astrology reading or a tarot card reading. Um, I also find that people are like more or less drawn to one or the other for whatever reason. Um, Tarot is archetypal, meaning that each card has like this, like massive, like cosmic idea about it, you know, and represents so much for us in like the consciousness of our humankind. (laughs) And during a reading, I find that I have really huge insights into what's going on. It's like way more of like a psychic tap in than astrology for me, because I think astrology does a lot of the work for itself, right? Like you, there's so many symbols going on that it's sort of just like, this is obvious. And then in tarot reading symbols, like I find that, you know, I hear very like auditory things about what I have to tell someone. And I, sometimes I'm blown away by the things that come to me, you know, they just pop up and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to tell them this thing. But um, yeah, I mean, more or less it having images like before, like me and the person who's getting the reading, the, the person getting the reading will see images on for themselves, you know, and will will relate to different symbols in the cards. And so that's a huge part of the reading is that visual component. Because with astrology, you're seeing this like circle chart, not really knowing like what is going on. And so like, even though you might see like, you know, like for you, the cluster of planets and like get a sense from that. I think that, you know, tarot is a lot more accessible or like interactive where the person's like, oh, you know, I had someone recently be like, that swan, that swan is a huge sign for me, you know? And I'm like, great, you know, I don't, I didn't know, but, you know, cause it meant something else to me. And like, we filled that in together, you know, it's very collaborative and I love that about it. And so I think that I will use tarot forever and I use it in my own life. Like if I need to make a decision, I often consult the tarot. Like, I'm just like, okay, should I, and it's the most mundane things where I'm just like, should, do I really need to go to the grocery store again today? Tarot, (laughs) what do you think? (laughs) And, you know, something like that, but also for bigger situations as well. But yeah, great decision-making tool, um, great reflective tool. It is absolutely a mirror. And I know that like some people like will buy tarot cards and like do it themselves kind of thing. So it's kind of a blending though, of like what it means to you. And then somewhat of a, like getting a sense from 
something more spiritual, do you find? It's kind of like a blending of those things. Like if I were to like pull a tarot card right now, like how far am I really getting? You can get really far. Okay. And that's what I like about it is like how accessible it is. I think, I think what can be complicated is like, there is like a rudimentary meaning to the cards, right? That can take years to learn without looking at a book. You know, I think, I think the way that symbols work is you can always get a lot out of them. So you can not know tarot and look at a deck and get some meaning from it. Um, or you can have like a story weave together from somebody who has spent a lot of time with those archetypes, right? So I think that the weaving part does come with study because all of a sudden, because it's almost like a storybook, right? You know, there are so many pieces and to be able to really understand what, you know, because a lot of, you know, the old tarot cards are kingdom oriented, you know, there's like all sorts of figures And so to understand the difference between, you know, one figure against another is to really be able to make a story. So that story weaving is really going to contribute to what you take away from it. And I think it's great to have someone read for you because you get to decide what to take from that story. You know, whereas if you read from yourself, you already know your story. So it's a little harder to get like a reaction from yourself out of it. You really want that like boom moment of like, oh, there it is. There's that information I need to know. Yeah. And I think even like with the, like the astrological chart too, we obviously can always kind of look for the things that we want to validate what we already feel. Whereas when somebody else is like, I'm seeing this, does this make sense to you? And you're like, yes, (laughs) it's a very different feeling. Yeah. Cause you can go on, you know, cafe astrology and like read this like sort of computer generated version of your chart. And I remember when I was first like getting into astrology and reading that and being like, these are all contradictive. How do I put this all together? And then when I really learned how to read natal astrology, I was like, they go together like a beautiful puzzle piece, you know, but I would have never known that from the computer generated thing. Exactly. Well, I always ask guests on the show about like their habits, their routines. So I think it'd be interesting. Like I would love for you to share yours. And if there is anything that comes from whether it's astrology or tarot that kind of has helped you tap into what really works the best for you. Yeah. So I, yeah. Okay. So I use this one, like agenda book, if you will, you know, or like calendar. And so that's made by like the honeycomb collective. So people can like sort of look that up. Um, it is generated to show you every transit that is personal to you as well as the external transits, um, meaning the things that happen for everyone, um, versus personal. And so, I completely plan my life around my transits and I, I need my agenda book because I will forget everything. (laughs) So I think, you know, as for like a daily process, I'm really, um, like journaling is really important to me. 
So I wake up and I journal and I, I journal until I'm done, you know, and I have the privilege to do that. I don't, you know, not everyone does. Um, but I journal until I'm done. And then I look at my little agenda book and I figure out like what's going to happen for the day. And then I go for a long walk and then I start my practice, you know, my, my reading practice, my writing practice, like uh, my astrological work. Um, but it really comes from like, and is wholly informed by what's going on astrologically. I love that. That's such a cool idea for a planner. So do you like it's custom made based on you put in like your information? Oh yeah. Yeah. Look up to that in the show notes. That's very interesting. Yeah, I do. It's I, I'm thinking of like teaching a class about it. And I mean, it would be an extended class where like maybe six months of like tracking transits and stuff, but this is such an easy, like it's a cheat sheet to doing that. You know, it takes out like half the work, if not more. And then it's just about really getting into the rhythm of one's transits because to understand how to plan around for me, it's mood. Like I will, I'm very moody and I need to, you know, really plan for that. (laughs) So like I plan downtime, you know, planning downtime for me is crucial. And that's one of the things that my practice has really helped me to understand about myself and has helped me to help other people understand is like, you know, depending on your chart, you need a different amount of downtime. You need a different schedule. You need a different like way of life. And so, you know, some people have this really strong Mars planet, which is the planet of energy. And so if, if that energy is never ending, they can just go, go, go. Right. But someone like me, I have a Pisces Mars. It is water. Like it is disapparating. It is going everywhere. Like I need to plan rest, you know, I need, cause I will take on everyone's energy as boundary as I am, you know? Yes. Yeah. You even had told me, I think I should be aiming for like 65% productivity as opposed to like 95, which is yeah. my inclination. So yeah, I think it's, it's very important, obviously for everybody to plan in a degree of rest, but I think understanding that we all need different degrees of rest and like even tapping into our own kind of innate understanding of like when we really need it. Cause a lot of us like to just blow right past it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, our society is doing us no favors. Totally. And then I love talking about this. Literally we could be out here forever, but <laughs> the, the question I always ask everybody is what is one toxic thing that you've released that's had a major impact on your life? So this is a a pandemic realization, Um, but I realized, and this this expands past friendship, but for me, it was like triggered by friendship. I realized that I was no longer going to show up so strongly for people who were not willing to even meet me halfway. And, you know, and it's sort of like living in that, like, that mindset of lack, you know, like if, if this doesn't work out, then what will happen, you know? And, and that sort of like has, has trickled around like my whole entire life, you know, and just like gone everywhere. But I, I really learned that I don't need to make like an intense, like backup plan for everything. Like 
I can deal with like, if something doesn't work out because there is going to be another thing, like the universe has my back in that way, you know, so I don't have to settle. I was doing a lot of settling. And so I've, I've more or less released that, you know, it's always a constant like reminder to myself to like not underwrite myself before trying or before like seeing what else is out there, but just like the halfway thing, especially in relationships is like so important, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, depending on who you are, it's just like filling in the blank for other people or like showing up too much can just like drain your entire batteries. You know, it's just not working. (laughs) Absolutely. And I do, I think that is probably really resonant for a lot of people, especially going through COVID because you don't just have those like natural social situations where you're just like doing things and seeing people like you have to really make the effort with the people that you care about. And it kind of became pretty clear, I think, for a lot of people who really cared and who didn't. Yeah. (laughs) It is like scary. You know, I think we all have like some degree of like people pleasing tendencies within us and any relationship that ends feels like a failure in a sense when really a lot of times it's, like a success to be like, okay, not every relationship is supposed to last your whole life. Right. Yeah. Being able to let go old relationships too. I feel like that's like super hard for people. And for me, yes. or just like, just because someone like comes in for a moment doesn't mean that that's like some sort of failure. Totally. I very much resonate with that. I would say that's something I've let luck of in the process of still letting go of. <laughs> it's a hard one. Yeah. That's it's a really good tough. one. And yeah. nice for people to feel like less alone in that. Cause I think probably again, everyone deals with that on varying degrees all the time. But I think this whole COVID time period's probably been like that on steroids a little bit. Definitely. You know, like trapped in your house, like who you call in. Yeah, totally. Well, this was so much fun. This was such a great conversation and we'll definitely like link up in the show notes, kind of like anywhere that you think for beginner astrologers, yeah. or people looking at their chart, like what sites you trust, like some stuff like that for people they are going to be like really interested in trying to do a dive into their chart after this conversation. And if you could kind of just share how people could connect with you, work with you again, what you could share what you did for me, like what someone would book to get that type of reading. And I highly recommend doing that. Thanks. Yeah. So, um, I have a website, so I'm guessing we'll put that in the show notes. Um, I'm bookable there. Like I have like a a whole booking page. Um, so you can get like a natal chart reading or, you know, what you did was an embodiment reading. And so that's my favorite, just, (laughs) just so everyone knows, Um, And the reason it's my favorite is because instead of just, you know, talking about like what I'm seeing, it's also about like calling back to oneself, like a wholeness, you know, to it's a permission slip, you know, it's, it's giving like allowing people to be their full selves, you know, and nail chart readings are amazing um, and, and totally valuable. So I highly recommend those two. But yeah, it's a good way. I also teach classes. Um, so I am going to launch eventually beginner astrology all the way through. And that'll be like a longer session course. Um, like I already said, I'm thinking about doing the tracking transits class. 
Um, right now, though, something I have up that people can book and join coming up really soon. I don't know when this will air, um, but it'll continue because it's a series is um, Manifest Monthly. And um, that is about like coming together once a month to talk about like the month ahead, as well as to like meet a bunch of people who are interested in astrology or interested in like, you know, looking inside of themselves. Um, and the manifest part really comes with like working with the moon. So we're going to work with the moon. And if, if folks come for the full like 12 month cycle of the year, which starts in Aries. So it's just starting. Um, you get a full year of manifestation, which can change your life. And I'm on Instagram. We'll link up to all of that. And thank you again so much for being on here. This conversation was so good. There were so many fun tidbits. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as I did. Now I would love to summarize the takeaways. Number one, we shouldn't have to hide our true selves or inner selves. The goal is to allow our inner self and outer self to coexist naturally. Number two, we often hold ourselves back from what we truly want because of a focus on what's responsible or expected, but when we follow our true desires, things begin to unfold naturally. Number three, our rising sign is the person we show to the world. Our moon sign is our inner self or how we came into this world. And our sun sign is our ego identity or who we want to be. For the full picture to come together, you really need to understand all three. Number four, Mercury in retrograde is a time to reflect and review, especially in the area of your chart where Mercury is at that time. It's not a time for big decisions. Also, Emily just wanted me to clarify that Mercury in retrograde can happen three or four times a year. Number five, our Saturn return typically occurs between our 28th and 31st birthdays and is a time of existential crisis as we question what we're doing with our lives. Saturn is the planet of stability, so it can feel destabilizing as you're going through it, but after the transitions and changes that it brings about, you find a new point of stability. Number six, tarot's use of images and archetypes allows so much insight to be gained, whether you're pulling cards on your own or with a professional who can interpret and weave the archetypes into a story. And number seven, relationships should be a two-way street. If you're feeling like you're putting all of the effort in and not being met halfway, it's okay to move on. Not all relationships are meant to last forever. So again, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. All of the information will be linked up in the show notes so you can get a reading with Emily. Again, I got the embodiment reading. I thought it was absolutely amazing. I got so many great tips out of it. Also, she, as she mentioned, she has her membership program, which is really awesome to get involved with as well. And then, of course, you can follow her on Instagram. And again, I so appreciate you being a listener of this show. It brings me so much joy to have these conversations and to share them with you. And I would love to hear if there is a different kind of guest that you would like to learn something about. I would love to get in touch with you. You can reach out to me on Instagram at the.detox.diaries. Drop me a DM. I would really love to get to know you. And of course, the best way to support the show is to share with a friend who you think may be interested and to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for being here and I will see you on the next one.